Hello and welcome to the Quantum Mogul Podcast. This is the co-founder of Quantum Mogul, Jasmine Suryarechi with Donald Kelleher. And we are absolutely delighted and thrilled to have Brian Lenahan, quantum strategist extraordinaire, as our inaugural guest on the Quantum Mogul Podcast. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I want to share with our audience why I'm so excited that Brian is our very first guest. And that is because he is someone who has inspired my own deep passion for everything quantum. Um, and I, I came to it as someone, as Brian knows, who has a bit of an atypical uh, profile when it comes to being interested in quantum and science, though most people don't know that I have a background in psycholinguistic research along with the opera directing. But the reason why we were so excited to have Brian on as our very first guest is that he is the perfect example of a creative visionary who has really taken his own passion for quantum and created a global movement where we're able now to connect people all around the world and work together uh, to learn more about quantum technologies. And when it comes to business, start learning the hype from what is, you know, really applicable today, how we need to plan for the future when it comes to quantum expansion and quantum roadmaps. And Brian Lenahan is the expert in all things quantum here. So a little biography, a bit about Brian. He is the founder and chair of the Quantum Strategy Institute, which is a collaboration of both quantum experts and quantum enthusiasts like myself. He is also an Amazon three times best-selling author and the author of Quantum Boost, Using Quantum Computing to Supercharge Your Business. Perfect if you're a business owner looking to dive into this wonderful world of quantum and you want a great place to start. Then he's also the author of Quantum Excellence, How Leading Companies Are Deploying the Transformational Technology. And this is a beautiful overview of, is it 50 companies, Brian? Correct. That are currently leading the charge uh, when it comes to quantum. So this is another great book to check out. And this one I am still working through. Um, and I am a super fan of this one. And that's On the Shoulder of Giants, 10 Quantum Pioneers of the Past. And um, I hope you'll tell us a little bit about what made you passionate about writing this book uh, as we get deeper into our interview. Finally, Brian is a LinkedIn top quantum voice with over 1.5 million impressions. And this was done in just 15 months. So Brian is the king of time collapses, Absolutely. we would say it, right, when it comes to a movement. And he's a leading quantum strategist working with companies to design unique quantum roadmaps. Finally, Brian is a sought-after speaker. You can see him um, animating all sorts of different discussions for economist events and speaking at quantum events all over the world. And he was a former executive with a top 10 North American bank. So a very, very interesting profile when it comes from going from banking to being, um, yeah, the founder and director of this incredible Quantum Strategy Institute. Could you tell us, Brian, a little bit about what made you so passionate and how you went from banking to your interest in, in AI and also now into quantum computing as a leading strategist and as a top LinkedIn quantum voice? Well, I think you'll find that throughout the conversation that we have today, uh, being practical is very much part of my DNA. 
So whenever I think about any technology, whether it was artificial intelligence before this, when I was writing books about that or, or consulting about artificial intelligence, for me, it's always about the business problem that we're trying to solve. You know, if quantum technology is going to contribute to that, that's great. If artificial intelligence will, that's great. But if it's not, if it's digital or classical infrastructure, then I'm all for working with those systems. So for me, it was always about solving the business problem, whether you were trying to simulate a molecule or you were trying to improve traffic in a certain city um, or you were working on a financial portfolio optimization, you know, lots of different techniques, which we can talk about for um, uh, our applications, rather, we can talk about later. But those are all classic business problems um, that we're looking to solve not even to mention the challenges with cybersecurity. So, you know, all of those business problems are the, the things that really drove me to connect with uh, solutions that could actually address those. Um, so I don't know if this is the right kind of point to talk about the Quantum Strategy Institute, but it's certainly for me, the, the whole basis of the work that I've been doing is in how do I talk to a CEO or a CTO in 30 seconds and engage them on this topic and really fundamentally get them on the path towards, you know, solving their, their key business problems with some great technology. Absolutely fantastic. And, and really the, um, the focus of the Quantum Strategy Institute is so simple. And in business, we all have, um, no matter what the size of the business, there are so many competing priorities. And having that 20,000 foot view, which is a lot of what we mm -hmm. do in our own consulting, helping companies with, is essential. And so to be able to cut through all of the noise and the hype and be able to decide, you know, what is the best path to achieving your goal, I mean, mm -hmm. that is so valuable to mm -hmm. have a trusted advisor. So I mean, the Quantum Strategy Institute, Institute fits a huge need there. It really does. In hearing this, what is the biggest misconception you feel that business owners and maybe even the public at large have about quantum? I follow you on LinkedIn, as you know, and you published a really interesting informal kind of survey where people were comparing how far quantum um, technologies, um, quantum computing had come. And that was a that was an analogy with um, was it a computer in the 1940s? Is it an iPhone today? Um, where do you see on the one hand business uh business people's perception around how far quantum is as a developed um as a developed industry and technology? Um, and its applications on the one hand. And what is the biggest misconception do you feel that people have when they hear quantum as a business owner, perhaps coming to this idea or coming to this concept or just coming to hearing about this for the first time? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because, you know, when I started thinking about um, what quantum was going to mean for business in the next few years, I can really sort of get, um, summarize it in one sentence. It's a very nascent technology. It's brand new. Even though we've been talking about quantum physics for 100 years now, the actual technology associated with it is very, very new. But the thing is, it does have transformational potential. And so the second line, whenever a CEO or a CTO or a business person talks to me about this, they say, Brian, that's great. I'll talk to you in 10 years. 
But what I say to them then is that there are actual benefits they can achieve today with things like quantum-inspired capabilities, or even some hybrid uh, opportunity where they can compare quantum with their classical systems. They can do it today. And they really need to start getting involved in it today because the progress, the breakthroughs that are happening are happening on a daily basis. And it's happening so quickly because so much has been invested. So many researchers, so many vendors, so many academics um, know the potential of this set of technologies. And we talk about quantum computing, quantum sensing, and quantum communication in broad terms. And believe it or not, there's a technology that is quantum sensing, which is far ahead of computing and communication. Very interesting applications there. So um, for... The overall, I would say it's that it's a nascent technology with great transformational potential. The thing is, what we're seeing today in the mass media is this question of hype. So, you know, how much is overblown? How much is just because you have 100 qubits, whatever that term means to you, you know, what 100 qubits for a system, what can it actually accomplish? If I'm a business decision maker, that doesn't mean anything to me. What I'm really interested in is what's the incremental benefit? What's the iterative process improvement for me and my company for using this technology? And what sort of risk do I have engaging in it? Am I going to spend a lot of money? The challenges we had in the past around AI winters was one of the things that drove me to create the Quantum Strategy Institute because we kept seeing these situations of large investment, no results zero investments, large investments, no results, and so on. And so we really, I particularly really wanted to ensure that we didn't have that challenge, that we took those incremental improvements that we were gaining in quantum in 2023 and applying them to business. Amazing. And a question that I would have for you, Brian, because as you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the financial background and I know you come from a banking background. Where do you see it um having an effect or is it do you think it's going to have an, an amazing effect or a huge effect in the financial services industry absolutely and if, and if so where where do you see it yeah absolutely and so you know there's ways to look at it just from a quantum perspective but then also generative ai so we're all seeing the impacts of chat gpt and people are mm -hmm. looking into it how can i create images text video uh, data um to uh help me run my business better. Well, the same thing is going to happen with our world of banking, whether it is your virtual customer service representative, who's actually going to have a huge boost in terms of contextualizing a customer's question. So mm -hmm. in the past, you would program a customer's uh, response. In the case of chat GPT or its equivalents, you're actually giving it context. Mm -hmm. So you're really making a much more robust conversation. So if you think about the size of customer service um, back offices or call centers, if you can reduce the number of um, uh, uh, inquiries that are coming to a human being, um, you can push them on, put them onto more value add activities. And that's the way I always look at it when I talk to you know my clients. How can you take humans and put them into more value add activities? And so that's just one example where they're also looking at it very actively, JP Morgan Chase, um, HSBC, 
all looking at things like portfolio optimization. Mm -hmm. And Donald, you know very well that if you think about how real-time data decisions mm -hmm. are being made in terms of your portfolio, the closer mm -hmm. you can get to real life and not assumptions, mm -hmm. then the closer you're going to get to a, a beneficial outcome for ROI or whatever other KPI mm -hmm. or metric you're using in the business world, in the finance world. It's funny, you know, you, uh, you, I know your background a bit. You've been in the, in the financial world for a while. Back in 2015, I did this analysis and I looked at all the annual reports for a subset of uh, banks and I looked for the word innovation. Well, it didn't appear. And the reason it didn't appear was because innovation was associated with risk. Yes, yes. Until we had all of these fintechs come along and start to say, we're going to apply artificial intelligence or other technologies to yeah. payments, to credit lending, and so on. And all of a sudden, the banks had to react to that, whether it was buying those companies or putting in services themselves. Now, fast forward to 2023, the banks are one of the leading sectors in the adoption of quantum technologies. Incredible. That's amazing. And one other question that I would have on that for you, because this is really interesting. You know, th this whole thing that's going on with the, the, the central bank digital currency at the moment and this racket with the bricks and the dollar and all this stuff going on, will the dollar survive and will it do Where do you, you see, uh, what is your opinion on that? N not your opinion on what will su succeed, right? but what, what is your opinion on the implementation of quantum uh, inside in all of this? Well, so I won't give you my opinion on whether it's the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I will suggest to you is that uh, quantum as a platform yes. will accelerate the processing of data points. Okay. So um, if you think about it as the, the platform on which the software sits, mm -hmm. um, then uh, effectively what it's going to do is allow you to incorporate ex in, um, an exponential amount more data mm -hmm. into your analysis. So, mm -hmm. Uh, whenever I think about quantum, I think about it as a, a technology for humanity's uh, benefit and support. And I know that there are going to be, you know, uh, bad actor uses of any technology. But I, but I, what I hope it's not going to be is a replacement or a control mechanism. Mm. Um, so I know that quantum technologies are going to be able are going to accelerate a lot of. Um, uh, the potential that we have in terms of various different choices we're going to make. Um, that's inevitable. Um, but, you know, as to whether it's the right choices or not, I really can't comment. Okay. And it actually aligns with so much of what we believe here at Quantum Mogul, which is with true intention to solve some of the greatest pro you know, problems for humanity, there are going to be so many more people who are creating really valuable solutions mm -hmm. because we're seeing people um, already in- and moving at speed as yeah, well. Yeah, we're seeing so many people, even volunteers coming together in the AI world to mm -hmm. reconstruct all kinds of things in the open source world. We're, we're seeing the competition within industries and companies generating better solutions for the consumer. So it is a really exciting time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that struck me as a huge use case for quantum technologies was this area of cybersecurity. Could you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about 
um, how our you know current encryption uh, schemes um, are perhaps uh, you know in, in in terms of the research that's coming out about how powerful quantum computers are vulnerable perhaps to an attack by a quantum computer and how can quantum computers on the other end be part of the solution with um, a post a quantum cryptography or um, quantum cryptographic keys could you tell our more general audience you know why is it a possible uh, issue that we really need to start businesses may need to start really looking at now to have enough runway uh, to to prepare for the future and to secure all of our um, you know sensitive information and our transactions etc please tell us more if there's one message that your listeners and your audience can take away it's exactly that from today you know that they have to start preparing now so and there's lots of different ways we can talk about doing that and there are free ways that they can start looking at that so we can talk about that but in terms of security security of data security of privacy and so on today's digital systems the premier digital systems are based on RSA to 2048. So what does that mean? Well, it means um, security systems are based on factoring very, very large numbers. And it's a very difficult thing to do when you have larger and larger numbers, particularly for even for today's supercomputer systems. So there's some um, feeling today that you're, um, you do have that security of existing systems that we've heard about hacks and so on. What quantum will do is completely change that dynamic. The first quantum computer that comes out, the truly fault tolerant quantum computer, the one that you know has sufficient uh, robustness and size and capability, um, which people talk about as being years away. Um, but that the first one that comes out probably no one will hear about. So what does that mean for the world in terms of the person who is using that quantum computer or nefarious capabilities to actually um, take and decrypt your data? Because that's exactly what it will do because it has exponential more power to factor those integers um, through your systems. So uh, here's the challenge today. We're seeing a steal now, decrypt later phenomenon where bad actors are stealing your data. They can't decrypt it, but they're stealing it and storing it in anticipation of a quantum computer arriving in the future. And so maybe if that's 20 years, then you don't really care about the data that occurred 20 years ago. But if it's faster, then you may are may be very concerned about that from your customer's perspective or your employee's perspective. So we're seeing a significant uh, effort towards creating those quantum computers, again, for positive purposes and maybe for some negative purposes. On the flip side, we're also talking about post-quantum cryptography. So how can you protect your business against a quantum computer attack? Because in theory, if you have a quantum computer and the bad actor has a quantum computer, they can't steal your data. So that's a very important point, you know, that if you're operating, and especially, I think um, I've heard you both talk about large companies, small companies, medium-sized companies. Well, in this case, large companies already are putting teams together. Mm -hmm. They're already investigating um, relationships with vendors. They're already uh, putting together protocols around quantum for cybersecurity. 
but very few medium-sized and small companies are doing the same exercise. So there's a real hot, right? Mm-hmm. There's a real challenge if they're number one, don't even know what quantum means, let alone what quantum capabilities can do for their business. Mm-hmm. And this is why <clears throat> quantum strategy is really indispensable for small and middle-sized businesses. Um, if we look at, I, I don't know if the projections are there from the NIST or from any of these organizations, what is the kind of projected threat or projected damage in terms of, 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 of dollars if, um, if people aren't protected in time? Not to be fear-mongering, but just to have a more accurate idea of what this really represents in terms of um, a security threat. And how close could it be? How many years away? Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever I talk about uh, quantum uh, technologies, I always talk about uh, not a year, not a date, but a range. And so uh, I I must attend five or six cybersecurity conferences a year. Um, And most of those cybersecurity conferences uh, are quantum cybersecurity conferences. But every once in a while, I'll go to a pure cybersecurity conference. And generally speaking, in those latter groups, I'm the only one talking about quantum. And that is a major, major challenge in 2023. So we have the leading voices in cybersecurity. And in some cases, it doesn't even make the list. And so, you know, we find that you find that overwhelming. Uh, You're on your own. Uh, I guess I'm opportunistic about it, saying, well, you know, they're going to call me for that conversation or that panel. I admire admire your your stickability because that is not easy to be on your own talking about something like that. And I just wonder how you deal with that. Well, so I do very much the same way I do with my uh, consulting clients where I'm talking about if you don't invest a dollar today, make sure you're investing some time into understanding what that threat is. And so, you know, I'm not asking the audience to move, you know, 20% of their tech budget into quantum. What I'm saying is in 2023, you better be investigating this technology. You better investigating the threat that you both talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, you know, if, you think about a digital transformation roadmap for any given company. So uh, I know I was involved in one, you know, it was five to 10 years, digital Mm -hmm. transformation. So now you think about companies trying to integrate quantum technologies into their environment, you're talking years as well. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that they get started today. Oh, I agree. And if a company is really interested in creating that quantum strategy roadmap. Um, What does that look like when they come and work with you and and your consulting? Does someone on their team then become educated in quantum or what does it look like for a business to go through that process? Well, I have to tell you that uh, I really don't engage unless I have the CEO sitting at the table first. Perfect. Yeah. And, and that's probably, you know, similar for you, but uh, in this case, it's very difficult for someone who doesn't have the background that maybe I do in having a conversation with a CEO says, look, I've got a million priorities. I've got a maxed um, IT budget. Um, I've got customers breathing down my neck. Why should I be even listening to you about a technology that's not even mature? 
Yeah. yeah, that's why I was asking you, how did you deal with that? Because, I mean, I have the world of admiration for visionaries and it has it has been something that has haunted me all my life, right? being yep. so far ahead. And I was just really interested to see how do you deal with that? Because it's so difficult. I agree with what you're saying, but it's so difficult to get that CEO to get his mind and and of course, it's I understand for the CEOs, their mind is a thousand things happening, you know. Well, you know for yourself as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I can have a I can have a yeah, and I can have a conversation with a CEO and say you'll get a ten percent improvement on this process if you engage quantum technology. That doesn't go anywhere. Mm. My opening card with any CEO is. You know, you need to be concerned about your customers' data, your mm. your employees' data, and that's imminent. There's your first risk if you don't start down the path of looking at quantum technologies. And so now I have their attention. Yeah, yeah, that would do and it. And, and quite often when I'm having conversations, the uh, CTO is also in the room, maybe a system architect, maybe a project manager. And it's mm. incumbent upon me to speak in the language that makes most sense to each one mm. of those people. Mm. I need mm. to have the CEO nodding yes at yeah. the very beginning of this meeting. So all of a sudden the ice is broken with the remainder of the people. And then I start speaking in the languages that each one of those needs to understand. The project manager, for example, he says, look, I've got a completely full list of projects. How can I even start to think about putting this on the roadmap? You know, the system architects is how am I going to integrate quantum and classical technologies together, you know, in a meaningful way? You know, and the CTO says, I'm spent. How can I possibly think about quantum? And by the way, you're going to have to really give me um, a better understanding of how this, this technology has progressed. When I read from certain experts in the field that it's nowhere near being a, a, a true business option. That's fantastic because you're really actually translating between the stakeholders mm. and you understand what is prioritary for each person within you know the top decision making and production part of the organization. So that's a yep. beautiful, beautiful answer. I'd love for us to transition because this podcast is really dedicated to other visionary, creative pioneers like yourself. Um, and I know and believe that you have that resonance with this because of the book that you wrote, right? Um, On the Shoulders of Giants. These are really incredible quantum pioneers, pioneers of, of quantum technology. And um, I encourage everybody uh, to go out and get the book. One of my favorite people was Elmer Imes. And I love the fact that he was he was such a polymath in, in so many ways. And yet there seem to be a lot of challenges when you um, are a visionary and you're starting a movement. Would you mind sharing with us when it came to your own passion for quantum and you're, you're knowing that you had an important part to play um, with the creation of the Quantum Strategy Institute and also really the short time frame, like 15 months mm-hmm. and 1.5 yeah. million impressions. So people are hungry to learn yeah. about quantum. What were some of the challenges you faced moving into this space as a thought leader? Well, you can imagine as a uh, former banker moving into a advanced technology space, you, are, you don't have the immediate credibility. Um, but for me, the opposite was actually true because there was such a thirst 
for people who had business capabilities, business experience to help tell the story about advanced technology. And if you go back about five years, I really started in the world of artificial intelligence. So uh, I had the good fortune of retiring from my banking career and realized that after you know less than six months, I really couldn't sit on the couch uh, and I needed to do something. Um, and so I thought, well, what was my favorite part of working world? And it was always being the business uh, liaison with IT teams. And so I thought, okay, well, what IT, what um, technology trend was trending at the time? And, and at that point, it was really artificial intelligence. And the best uh, school for that was uh, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And so I decided that I would go there, take their AI strategy program, which was really where I wanted to focus. What I love to do whenever I talk to people, either uh, students or new to the working world or even CEOs, is I talk about inspiration. And so for me, it's not inspiring you to make more money. It's inspiring you to find the part of this technology space that really interests you. So, you know, maybe that's an academic role. Maybe that's a research role. You know, maybe it's a specific type of, for example, in quantum sensing, there's a, there's a new technology called a quantum gravity gradiometer. And what you can do with that is you can look further into the, uh, the depths of the earth to understand what's underneath without disturbing the earth. So you can imagine, not only if you're thinking about oil and gas, but if you're a treasure hunter, you know, how can you use this kind of technology or you're an archeologist? You know, so what I try to do is find practical applications that align with people's interests and marry those things together. I have to say, and writing on, on the shoulders of giants, that keep coming through over and over and over again. Because each one of those giants had massive challenges that they had to overcome. And I know, for example, for me, uh, how to go from a banker to somebody who's got credibility in the quantum world. I spent three years of hard work really trying to understand the technology, but also understanding whether that technology was credible. Could I actually um, convert that into practical applications? Could I actually tell the story? And so, you know, anybody who's willing to invest the hard work, they're going to find this space, this technology space of quantum, so exciting. Beautiful. It's brilliant. <clears throat> Amazing. Beautiful. I had a couple of more questions. In terms of your own legacy, um, you're an author, you're a speaker. If we fast forwarded 20 years from now, um, what do you see as part of the legacy that you are leaving the planet, both in being, you know, a, a, a living um, uh, embodiment of the, you know, the curious and yet really down to earth and practical strategist in AI and quantum? How do you view your legacy and, and what are you excited to create next? So for me, my portfolio of activities really is in writing books, Substack, LinkedIn, conferences, panels, um, and of course, the Quantum Strategy Institute. But, you know, if and I'll continue to do those things, um, because I have been so blessed with never having writer's block. You know, there are so many things to write about. There's so many interesting, you know, breakthroughs every single day. There's so many interesting people to meet. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to doing those things. But I have to tell you, Jasmine, 
um, all of that pales in comparison to getting an email or getting a, a, a LinkedIn comment that says, Brian, you inspired me. Mm. Mm. Two years ago, I didn't know anything about this. Mm. You know, now I'm an analyst, you know, or, you know, now I'm a quantum engineer. Mm. And um, if I can continue to do that, um, you know, um, I would be so thrilled um, with that kind of legacy, if you will. Um, one of my other books was called Deep Health. And uh, what I tried to do there was marry up one of my uh, key passions around how do you maintain your um, or how do you um, differentiate your chronological age with your biological age? I don't know if you've been familiar with this kind of difference. But essentially what, you know, if you think about, you know, where you are at a stage of life, how does your, your actual physiology compare? Is it more? Is it less? Um, and so for me, that was a very important part because I felt like I had so much more to do that I needed to have the health to go along with mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. effort. Mm -hmm. very and so... In the in you know the spirit of being an author, I knew I had to try to do the research to write a book about it, um, and so I coordinated with a, a colleague of mine who was a, a nutritional scientist, and so what we did was we took um, all the elements of uh, the things we knew about health and married it with artificial intelligence. So how can you take um, vast amounts of data and uh, about one person yourself? and learn from it, whether it's through a smartwatch or through some other sort of pieces of technology. And for me, it's given me the energy level, the drive, uh, the capability to deliver on all those things that I just talked about. But at the end of the day, uh, when I see those messages from people in my network, um, that's the motivation I really need. But that, that is the true legacy, really. And, and, Absolutely. and that really is what Quantum Mogul is about as well. You know, I remember myself, right, when, uh, when, I, when I took some time off uh, almost 10 years ago and I, I done a tour and I came back after uh, a lot of traveling that time and I saw that the world was missing uh, lack of education and health and wealth. And I remember dedicating my life to it that time in 2015. And everyone said to me that time, good luck to you. <laughs> That's why I asked you, how did you deal with being on your own? Because it is very lonely when people just laugh at you, you know. Uh, but eight years later, it's a different story now. Right? And that is that that I can totally relate to that because that is what really turns me on as well. When you see a real change in somebody's life. Uh, because of a journey you took, a positive change, you know, teaching the person to fish rather than giving them the fish, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I always have to look at it for myself from a graphic perspective. And I looked at myself as walking through the forest and mm -hmm. then emerging from the forest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it was doing all this by myself and then seeing that there was a vast group of people mm -hmm. who were actually had the same interests uh, and were willing to spend some time. So which that was really sort of the genesis of the Quantum Strategy Institute. Do you mind if I tell that story? Uh, we would love to hear it because my, my question was actually in terms of, you know, what top tip would you give fellow future visionaries who are starting out and want to create a movement yeah. and would also love to get a team together as a community and get 1.5 million impressions on their work yeah. in just the space of 15 months? How can your experience help excel with the Quantum Strategy Institute? help accelerate um, the dreams and visions of other creative pioneers who are so inspired by your journey. So please tell us the story. 
So job one is just like Donal said, you know, uh, spending the time to make sure you really are very, very clear on what your passion is. You know, you can, um, I, I, you know, I, I really struggled with that uh, at the very beginning because, you know, I had spent uh, a lifetime um, working on what I thought I should do. You know, so a career in banking to raise my family, um, you know, uh, that was key and it was the right thing to do at the right time. But when I had the opportunity to retire, it was like going into a desert. You just had no idea. All the emails were gone. All the people were gone. You were all of a sudden on your own. Um, and so for me, it was very much about, um, you know, you know, dissecting all those things in, in my life to that point that I'd really gotten excited about. And so, you know, uh, I had to, first of all, identify the things that I didn't want to do. And that was an, actually an easy journey to take because uh, for me, it discounted a lot of things and it left a smaller subset that I could actually wrap my hands around. And so when I started doing that, I started realizing that there was a situation where I would sit in a boardroom with an IT team and a business team at the head of the table and just absolutely got uh, so much excitement from the conversation that went on. And being able to bring something to fruition, one of the challenges that we had in a project environment, especially in a large bank, is everything takes two years. You know, so you know, how could I actually help this team reduce that amount of time um, to get whatever product or service or process we were trying to get out to market? And that, to me, was just so exciting to be able to bring these people together. When I started attending quantum conferences, all I really saw were the vendors and the academics talking about their wares. And I didn't see anybody on the consumer side. And I thought that was very odd. You know, is that, did that just mean that, you know, there were, uh, it was a shiny object with no buyers, right? So I started talking to some like-minded people um, and uh, we started thinking about, okay, so how could we bring those consumers, those end users, those potential buyers to this technology in a way that uh, spoke to them? So by telling stories, by attending conferences, by writing articles, and I soon started to bring some people who were very like-minded. Now we have people from large banks, large law firms, um, mm -hmm. Google, um, you know, who are on our board, our management team, our special advisors, uh, major quantum companies. And each one of them have said, um, we agree, that's very much white space. Um, we need to help consumers understand what's a very complex technology in a way that they can actually think about it and, to your point, put it on their roadmap. So for me, that was the inst instigation of the, the Institute to be able to bring people together. And we're excited where we've landed in just this short period of time. We really started in September 21. We had our first uh, international event um, just recently, um, and uh, it was the International Quantum Strategy Day event. And, eventually, and really what we were trying to do, we got a number of teams globally together. They competed in creating a 15-minute concise presentation on how to integrate strategy into a company's roadmap. Invaluable 
for any company as they think about how to think about this technology. And so um, we had some excitement around that event. We're going to continue it now on an annual basis. Um, and uh, we're just beginning. So, you know, the Quantum Strategy Institute has um, now, you know, almost, uh, well, over 3,000 followers, um, all sorts of uh, activities where we integrate. Uh, I speak to, to uh, governments, I speak to corporations. Um, and so it's a great opportunity for us to uh, get the word out uh, about quantum in a way that is practical. Um, we don't have any government connections. We don't have any corporate connections. We don't have any sponsorships. We're completely independent. Um, and so we try to create an objective understanding of what the current stage of quantum is and uh, also give people the idea of the potential. So we really want to accelerate the adoption of quantum, but we don't want to see that that hype valley, hype valley, hype valley uh, mm -hmm. type of trajectory for this technology. I think something you said there really hit it in the head when you said you have to teach people how to think about how to think about quantum. <laughs> because mm -hmm. when I heard about it first, it was like, where do I start to think <laughs> about it? What am I thinking about? Right? Yes. I think. I think that really is a starting point, actually. So yeah. Well, it's funny, you, you so talk good. about, yeah, you talk about starting points. The starting point for me actually was YouTube. You know, yeah. I wanted a free way to understand how what this technology was all about. Oh. And so, you know, I graduated from YouTube to, um, to uh, TU Delft and CERN and various other organizations who provide training on it. Um, and so, you know, for me, the level of understanding is I'm not a PhD. I don't have mm -hmm. a PhD in quantum physics and I don't need one, nor do your audience members. There mm -hmm. are so many different roles in the quantum space, mm -hmm. whether it's marketing, sales, communication, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, operations. There's so many different roles that people can get involved in that they don't have to have a pure science background. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful because quantum really is for everyone. We're seeing more and more incredible applications of, um, yeah, of quantum technology and quantum computing. I was so thrilled to see more and more um, companies and institutions coming out with free quantum computing 101, um, things that are fun, that are interactive, that, that really take into account that quantum is for everyone and that we can learn about these amazing principles and how they have really practical and direct applications to our world today and are fundamental to the founding of our world of tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't mind, I'll tell you just, just briefly, coming from a banking background, we were fraught with regulations. You know this too. <laughs> well, you know this, right? And compliance was very important. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it was only until this year that we've actually started seeing standards development for quantum technologies. So it is a bit of the Wild West as it relates to this technology. There aren't a lot of regulations, compliance capabilities. You know, it's just really this year that we're starting to see that buildup of standards. So when I talk to CEOs, I have to make sure that they are actually aware that this technology has lots of potential. But if you're looking for a policy regulation from somebody, you know, it's not there yet. Now we're seeing things like you mentioned NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, doing work, especially with um, cybersecurity. Uh, we're seeing the IEEE engineers and so on who are actually 
you know, working on the same thing. So there's there's lots of progress there, but caution as well. Well, I suppose it's hard to regulate something when we're at the stage that you have to teach people about how to think, about how to think. About, <laughs> because where do you start with regulating that? But I actually, I can see why the banking industry, uh, it can go slow until it goes fast. You'd be well aware of that. I can see how they would move in it because I know there was a survey done in Ireland and I, I'm sure it's, it's worldwide um, about what was the most important thing to a human being, right? They, they, you know, interviewed many, many thousands of people, and it all came back to data. You know, you would think it was maybe their health or something like that. It, they were more worried about their data than anything. And I, I definitely see that that is the door opener uh, for them because data is 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 a major issue, a major issue for every company and especially financial services companies because there's either a bank or an insurance company attached to everybody's life. So if you have an insurance policy, the moment you're alive, you know, there's an insurance policy or a bank or something attached to you somewhere and they have your data and that is a major worry, you know, that is no doubt. Absolutely. Now, fortunately, in the quantum space, there are over 750 vendors already uh, doing work in some way, shape or form. And lots of those are in the world of cybersecurity. Um, and so um, if you were to reach out to, you know, maybe a consortium like um, the European Quantum uh, Consortium or the U.S. based Quantum Economic Developer um Quantum Development Corporate uh, Consortium, who have a huge marketplace of vendors, um, you know, those opportunities for somebody who's thinking, okay, do I start getting into this? Is this important? How do I do it? There's a vast array of choices. And mm -hmm. so uh, important to get that trusted vendor status, mm -hmm. um, you know, at some point where uh, you could start asking questions, start building pilots, doing proof of, proof of concepts, you know, mm. things that, that can really start to build that fortress around your company. Beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah. These have been really the most incredibly practical and yet yeah. inspiring tips for companies that are looking to forge a path to the future while meaning, remaining really grounded and um, yeah, being able to prepare for the future now while seeing what really has the best fit in terms of their own unique objectives mm -hmm. and goals. Absolutely. So it's just fantastic. Brian, where can people connect with you further? You mentioned Substack. I believe it was just today that you published something on generative AI and quantum and banking. So we talked about that just yeah. today. So if people want to um, check that out, where would they go uh, to find out more on the Substack? And then where can people connect with you um, either for your consulting or to learn more about the Quantum, quantum Strategy Institute and become a part of this quantum revolution? Sure. So they can uh, look me up on Substack at brianlenahan.substack.com um, or they can get in touch with me at chair at quantumstrategyinstitute.com. Beautiful. Well, that was our very first, our inaugural edition of the Quantum Mogul podcast with quantum strategist, author and speaker extraordinaire, Brian Lenahan. Thank you so much Thank for being on the show. Indeed. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing at Quantum Mogul. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you so much.